What up, what up, what up? Welcome, folks. This is the Fire This Time podcast. Episode 66. And my name is Sonny Ture. And I'm Akita G. And we are so happy to have y'all once again on this beautiful Monday evening. You know, uh, we got a good episode planned out for y'all. A lot of good, interesting topics. But uh, before we get going too far, stick by tradition. I keep going to welcome the people righteously, man. Welcome back to the show, people. We back again trying to give it to you the way we always do in a RBG red, black, and green fashion. Keeping it up for the nationalists and, and things of that such nature. Always remember to like, share, and comment. We on all major platforms. You know, check us out. Leave a comment. Let us know how we doing. Let us know some topics you might want us to talk about. And we'll get on that shit for y'all. But as usual, we're going to get on with the show. You know, we're going to talk about a couple of things today. You know, we're going to speak on the, the, the current Kanye controversy that's been jumping off. You know what I'm saying? You know, he back at it again. Mm-hmm. We also going to get into a little bit of Stacey Abrams and, uh, you know, the, you know, the... Some the, of the trickology. Yeah, the trickology. The covert trick... No, the trickology is covert. So, yeah, the <laughs> trickology that she playing on the people right now in the black community. And the Democratic Party inclusion with that. And then we also going to get a little bit into this uh, Black Lives Matter documentary, you know, done by Candace Owens. Yeah. You know, see what that be like. And uh, we look, we checked it out firsthand. You know what I'm saying? Looked at it, went right over it. And, uh, you know, we going to see what it be like and give y'all our opinion on that. We also have a, a interesting article about... Uh Sperm banks in, in the black community Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that So right we're, gonna, we're gonna touch on that as well But uh, without further ado We're gonna kick things off our key Like you said With Kanye uh, And uh, let's just kick things off With one of just one of the absurd things That he said You know I, I guess But to open it up You know what I'm saying There's some people Of course Mad at him Saying that he is The the worst or No some, some people saying That Kanye West is the most uh, uh, like the, the highest symbol of what black men are trying to be, you know what I'm saying? There's some people just taking it like that, wow. like he, like he, he, he's all a black males like fantasies, like manifested in mm. terms of like his power position, his closeness to white patriarchy, and uh, you erraticness, know, where, mentally where, unstable and shit. Okay, but uh, but of course the pushback on that is well if Kanye West represents all black men you know why don't individual black women that are out here in the leaders or whatever public sphere they're not you know ever seen as being symbolic you know when they do something wrong they're not seen seen as being symbolic of a whole black women. group yeah Right. So, uh, anyway, th- this is from I think uh, maybe his Tucker Carlson interview, but. Uh, I'm not even really sure. I know he had the Tucker Carlson, the Drink Champs, and then he's... Oh, this is Piers Morgan. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say it was so, one of them. Pierre. Yeah, so this is Piers Morgan. So uh, here, Kanye West is talking about how straight white males are the least protected and the least platformed people in the world. Let's see what he got to say. Straight white, white male. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nobody that gets judged more than a straight white male. The straight white male has the least amount of a platform to even speak. A straight white male can't say, my wife hurt me today. Because people will say, well, you're hurting women. A straight white male can't say, hey, a black employee didn't come in to work on time. Because then people will say, you're racist. A straight white male can't speak on a homosexual person because uh, they'll say you're you're homophobic. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nobody that gets judged So there, the, there's the, uh, the quote uh, there from Kanye. So I keep going. You can respond first. I mean, your, your initial reaction to what he's saying about straight white males. That is the illusion of occlusion to the mental core on a Negro subject, slave. What you mean? Meaning is that when you don't, when you see your oppressor before you see yourself, everything you just said about him applies to you ten times over. Mm. Ten times over. You know, let alone from that, you have no power. The white man may be doing getting all of that. Notice what I said. He may be getting all of that. Because honestly, he doesn't. You know, you don't call white men who uh, assert their masculinity, heterosexual masculinity, homophobic in most cases. This is a power trip and a power play that they like to play. You know what I'm saying? So, at the end of the day, everything you talking about is you. Because you don't control the economics. You don't control the politics. You don't control none of that shit in your community. So it's like, how the hell would you compare yourself or, or say that the slave or you, the master, Balsam, mm-hmm. is more oppressed than the slave? Yo ass. That don't, I what, mean, you know what I'm saying? Kanye's been saying a lot of crazy shit. What unjust laws have straight black men or straight black women or, you know what I'm saying, queer black women? Yeah. What laws have they enacted against others to oppress them in the history of this country? Straight white men have done a lot. Yeah. In terms of that. As a matter of fact, the cause of all of this is heterosexual black. I mean, heterosexual white men and white women. Right. Know, yeah, they definitely in there too. Right. Right. So, I mean, you know, I mean, of course, Kanye West all over the place. Now, does he have something to is there something Is there something to be said about how the current intersectional feminist type of age we live in is there something to be said about how this age produces an invisibility or marginalization of the mental anguish and some of the issues that men go through? I think that is true. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, of course, black men receive that worse than white men do in this society, for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I think Kanye West, he's a sponge for all the, all the bad that's around him. In the sense that he's paired in the same talking points that a conservative white man, like his friends. I mean, he's... Or uh, even, uh, what it was it, Independent, or I forget the name, uh, you know what I'm saying, that they give himself sometimes. I mean, like I say, the, the, the delusion of inclusion. Um, and he's suffering from all the psychotic effects of it. You know, think about it. You strive your life to become this standard. You get there to this standard and you find out that you're up in that standard by your damn self. Then you're dealing with all the pressures that come from trying to uphold that white man's standard. And be, and be, and be, uh, be in, uh, you know what I'm saying, conjunction with him. You do business with him and all of these other things. That man be looking like he having breakdowns, like he ain't slept in six days. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that maybe it is the genius inside of him. The musical genius inside of him. I don't know, but I know one thing. You ain't talking right. Right. And we'll come back around to his comments on George Floyd. You know what I'm saying? When we get come back around to the uh, Candace Owens produced documentary, uh, The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, where she's talking about BLM and the George Floyd. But, you know, Kanye West also said, you know, just to preface it, he also said some bullshit about George Floyd. Yeah. You know, uh, 
So yeah, we'll get into all that. I mean, uh, another big issue with uh, Kanye before we move on is his anti-Semitic comments that he made. I think uh, maybe on Tucker, but definitely on Drink Champs. Yeah. So much so with Noriega, Kiki ha ha with him the whole interview, and then come back a day later, copping please to the Jewish dude, uh, Peter Rosenberg at Hot 97, talking about, oh, I apologize, I regret it. I was wrong for letting him on there say that stuff. He During the episode... Noriega talking about, oh, we about to win an a Emmy for this. You about to help us win an Emmy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, then the, the day after, he talking about, you know, uh, I regret doing that. And, of course, because Kanye West was on there, uh, not, he was on there saying some stuff I disagree with as far as some of this, you know, we're the real Jews, yeah. you know, and all this mess that just takes the most idealized, mm-hmm. I, get, I think, uh, Slices of history And tries to form An identity around that yeah. It's very individualist You know what I'm saying Because yeah. if you take Identity from a collective Point of view You know what I'm saying You wouldn't be trying to uh, You know Re-educate black people That have a different experience About who we are What we are I mean, uh, you know, But this idea that You know I, I don't know Yeah I mean on one hand You know you, That's where you get The nuance in this You know what I'm saying On one hand We got Kanye You know Saying some crazy stuff you know, um, and some other things we're going to hear later. But at the same time, we also hear um, he sort of told the truth on this one in the sense of how Jews control music and entertainment and how they sit at a, on the top of a lot of these boards and in a lot of these executive seats. So he did tell the truth there. That's not nothing new. You can listen to Farrakhan and hear that. Mm-hmm. You can read books by Farrakhan and catch that. You can listen to Khalid Muhammad and he talks about that. Malcolm talks about that. So that's not nothing new uh, to black people. That shouldn't be considered. Well, I, I take that back. We in a politically correct age, so they is gonna try to make that anti-Semitic. But at the same time, he, you know, you get, he better watch out. You know what I'm saying? You love, you love your. You love the colonizer's castle so much that you put yourself in a position where the colonizer can snatch it from you. Mm-hmm. Got to put your power with the people. Yeah, it's just funny to me that, you know, this is somebody who wants to call out white Jews, but not, I mean, what about white supremacy? What about the system of white supremacy was, it's tied to capitalism. That's over with. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what that's that that's how his people think. That's over with. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That don't exist no more. Mm. You know he thinks that black people got every equal opportunity and suffer don't suffer from anything to be able to get themselves to the point of their liberation. That's the that's the conservative to pull you pull yourself up by the bootstrap mentality. Mm-hmm. I run strong in his rhetoric, so you know. Hey. Yeah, Key. Uh, so yeah, I, I you know I, I definitely see a lot. You know, I, I've been saying some people said Kanye the new Tupac. You know what I'm saying? Bullshit. Which I think you know it's just such a reaction, such, such an immature reaction to everything going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Especially just I mean I think it, it also shows like an immature. Perception of who Tupac was, like, or maybe a aesthetic only, you know, because this is somebody who 
was not for an integration, you know, into white supremacy, into capitalism, not looking for a seat at the table, but was trying to lead the effort culturally to build a new table and take pieces, maybe take pieces of wood from the old table to build our own table. You know what I'm saying? But certainly not for, you know, integrating into the current system. That's I mean, not what Tupac stood for. That's and and that, that's definitely what Kanye West sees as his uh, role in all this. Well, that's the thing. That, that People go say that from, that, that are millennials and zennials. They don't know shit about Tupac. They, they, the, the framework in which Tupac was referencing for everything that he was talking about, that's a world that they never saw. Oh, oh, oh somebody's an outspoken black man, a black man that's opinionated. You oh, know. they're acting like Tupac. Like, and, come on. Yeah, and we still got, and you got to remember, at the time of Tupac, we still had, we still could meet elders and prominent people in, in, in the past movements that Tupac was raised in. You see what I'm saying? Tupac came at a time where black power and consciousness was just saturated in the hip-hop industry. You know what I'm saying? Um, His message was different. It resonated with people differently. Kanye's message shows how the community has become. So people who look to Kanye like Tupac in today's time, they only had a reference from this time and era. You know what I'm saying? So two, so right now we at a state where black people, we sort of operate in a super capitalist way, very, uh, you know what I'm saying, individualistic in the thinking that we use, you know what I'm saying, in some cases. And there's a lot of aspiration for white supremacy and white, white power, closeness and proximity to white power. And if he's p- promoting that, yeah, they're going to look at him as the Tupac of this era. It's just what it is, I keep. I don't accept how it is. No. <laughs> no, I know. I agree with you too that. I don't accept that shit, but that's just what it is. I'm trying to come right. to some form of understanding because I've been confused lately with the way people have been acting. No, I, I feel you 100%, I key. And no, I appreciate, you know, that that slice of insight right there. And, uh, you know, definitely something we got to we gotta change, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, because a cultural hero like Tupac, you know... Uh, definitely deserve more than this reactionary association with Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, he definitely deserved more than that. But let's keep it going. I keep on spend too much long, too too long on, on this. Let's uh, talk about uh, some of the interesting topics in the black gender and uh, sexuality uh, sphere that we like to touch on. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Democrats, them pesky Democrats, truly yeah. a pest of our people. Yes, uh, you know through uh, the Stacey Abrams campaign was being. Prom- uh, if you look on her website, and this was a tweet that I had seen uh, from Blacks Organize at Blacks Organize yeah. uh, on Twitter, and it says Democrats push the racist gender divide between Black men and Black women so much that they now even list us as different constituents. This is from Stacey Abrams' website. Notice that they, they don't do this to any other group. It's disgusting. Now, if you look on uh, the policy part of her website and go to constituency agendas uh, for her policy platform, you have 
from, I'm gonna read from from bottom to top, Aki. Small businesses is a constituency. Mm-hmm. Veterans, that's a constituency. Okay. The LGBTQ community, that's a, a constituency that's listed on here. Also, the, the Latino community is listed on here. The Asian American and Pacific Islanders, AAPI ah. community, is listed on here. Then above all those, we see here black women huh. and then black men. Oh. What's your reaction to this, Aki? Why why is a Democratic candidate splitting up the constituent, you know, black men from black women? Um, well, one is that um, when you don't have a constituency, when every black black people have power in family, um, black men and black women being separated benefits the system on a lot of different levels. It's tax incentives for that. That's being able to reap more money, um, more people to work on the job plantations, all those type of things. But um, the agenda of why, I think it's pretty much to weaken us politically. Um, political strength is in unity. Um, black people have already been divided on the lines of um, politically, on the lines of Republican, Democrat, you know. And last recently, couple of years, you know, we've been going independent. Um, but it also shows me something that me and you witnessed firsthand about a year or two ago. Um, when Ice Cube was on the uh, panel with the sisters, Fox Soul, from Fox Soul. And he created a plan for black people. In the document, it said black people all through it. And they looked the man in his eye in front of the world and said, black people does not mean black women. Literally. They separated themselves from the black community. And after that point in time, I, I can recall... Me and you both, Aki, we recall seeing many other incidents where we seen that they, black men were literally being, you know, X'd out of the black community, which is black women and children. Are that as far as in the contemporary, like, moment or movement that we're seeing right now? Yeah. So-called Black Lives Matter movement, that was around from almost day one. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we're talking about 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. That's been the case. You know what I'm saying? So the five years before Ice Cube even came out yeah. with his agenda. It was already starting to pop off. That, that was already popping off. You know, so, I mean, you know. The founding, and, I mean, the organizational documents of Black Lives Matter. Yeah. The global organization. Uh, the national leadership. You know, it, it, it removes men. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The concerns of men. As if that they've already been handled. They, they have privilege. Because yeah. they're males, and yeah. we use this so-called intersectional algebra. Yeah. Because they're males, they have privilege. They have access to the patriarchy. Yeah. And of course, as black male uh, study scholars, yeah, we our definition of the patriarchy is different. Yeah. It's a white kinship system. Yeah. That particularly targets black men because of the males. biological and cultural threat. The fact that, uh, from at least from the white patriarchal point of view, males have the ability 
to foster a sense of stability and mm-hmm. cultural uh, 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 assertiveness. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That if we destroy that, we're going to disrupt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the effect, whether it has that specific cultural or authoritative type of uh, effect, yeah. how white patriarchs might think it does, yeah. the effect is all the same because whether or not we see the role of black men uh, the same as white people see the role of white men within families, yeah, that's different. But even regardless of that, the black man being removed and so uniquely targeted yeah, leads to the outcome of dysfunction. And now we got people nowadays parried in the idea, and we're going to get into this in the next story, yeah. that black men, black fathers ain't even needed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That black fatherhood, black uh, masculinity represents such a threat to our colonizers mm-hmm. that uh, all instances of it, even in the theoretical realm, have to be targeted. Yeah. Even after they, they've mopped the floor with us physically throughout yeah. history, yeah. theoretically, we're still being fucked with well you know we had we almost had that process of full assimilation um every other country that dealt with colonialism in the west initiated a program of national assimilation the creation of a national culture and most other groups of people have done that and so that's why you can be in dominica and meet somebody and they'll tell you they're not black and they look just like you but better yet in america um, we have always resisted that, and specifically, it has always been the males. And so we at a point where those things are starting to come to a head. You know what I'm saying? Um, if black people get divided even more politically, you're spelling problems. Well, I mean, the idea, I mean, why, why for the idea that they're separate constituencies with separate goals. Why? Why? Every other group is assumed that the men of that community want the best for the women, and the women want what what's best for the men, and that that they would include needs for each other in a united platform. That's the way it seems, but that's where the disconnect comes in. At black men have always seen the black community as black men, women, and children. Black man, woman, and child. That's always the way he's seen it. The way they're framing it today is that it is black women and children, which includes girls and boys. That's how they're framing it today. They're seeing the black community in that way. Um, And that brings a conflict between the males and the females because then it's like, well, shoot, if we're trying to get involved in the movement and do things, and we're looking and... You know, we we're not even allowed to participate. We've seen this with Black Lives Matter. We, we you know we're not allowed to have an opinion in it. We've seen this in academia. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, these are the type of things that black men are dealing with, and so they're, they're making those turns to look out. And I disagree with this. I still believe that the black community is the black man, woman, and child, but. Black males now are looking for different alternatives outside of the Democratic and Republican system. Right. I mean, specifically outside the Democratic system. You know, um, they're trying to make it like black males are going to the Republicans wholesale. It's not really that. They're just really having a conversation with them. What are you going to do to speak to me? 
And when the Democrats came out with they when Stacey Abrams tried to kick that little program to black men, none of that shit had to do with anything black men were actually saying. You know, T.S. Johnson has a black male agenda, and that was written by black men. I don't even understand why she didn't even reference that. It's just a big bag of tricks. But like you said, that goes into the need of us. We need black males in this political process like we need them in the community. And that's why we get into complaints like we finna talk about next. Mm-hmm. You know, come to find out, people. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the black man ain't, uh, you know, dropping off the seed in, in the cup. <laughs> for the sperm banks. Yeah, for the sperm banks. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, yeah. Speaking uh, of that, King. So, Phil Lewis on Twitter. Nah, I'm not saying look this brother up. He, you know, posted some. some. Anyways, <laughs> he posted uh, a severe. This is a, a Washington Post article titled America has a black sperm donor shortage. Black women are paying the price. Uh, he says a severe shortage is forcing black women who need donor sperm to make a choice. Choose a donor of another race and raise a biracial child or try to buy sperm from unregulated apps and online groups. And uh, a lot of people, you know, had a lot to say about why black men are not donating their sperm <laughs> and the fact that they need to. Why are you being so inconsiderate? You know what I'm saying? Wow. Uh and of course, I didn't know y'all came. This this eliminates any type of idea that black men might have their own worldview on things like reproduction and technology and the relationship mm-hmm. between the two. Mm-hmm. Maybe black men have the worldview, Aki, that we don't believe that we should have biological children that we are not contributing to socially and culturally. Exactly. Just because technology opens up the possibility, does not mean that it's the best thing for society or for children. Uh, you know, especially for women trying to have children. I mean, the, this is uh, this technology is oh, the technology. This is what we talk about biopolitics. Yeah, you know, uh, biology, technology that concerns biology and how it affects us politically. This technology is opening is is helping to open up the conversation about the need for a father. Yeah, in a child's life. Yeah. Because no no man had to stick his penis in the woman to impregnate her. Now she can go to a technician and get that work done. Yeah. Right? And uh, this is opening the door for some people, not for me. Yeah. And people that got their righteous mind still intact. <laughs> but the idea that fa- what do we need fathers for? Or the fact that, uh, you know, without any experience of raising children... Without any man or father around them, I mean, I think we do have to discuss what does it mean a, a single woman going to a sperm bank to raise a child as a single parent when there's millions of kids in foster care. Mm-hmm. If you really wanted a child, we know black children are overrepresented in foster care. Mm-hmm. They have nobody, but you're gonna bring another child that has no relationship that that will never have a relationship with a father. Uh, I don't know, Aki. I mean, I, I know the issue is prickly. You know what I'm saying? I think you know. So, I, why don't I just read a few of the tweets that I have seen on this topic, hmm. and hmm. I'll let you respond to them, Aki. How about that? Uh, yeah. I mean, one the idea that you know you get paid to donate sperm, so I don't get why black men's not doing it. You know, this idea, hey. the idea, 
there's no there's no perception that we have our own worldview and stance cultures even if a lot of us don't articulate it or can't articulate it it still resides within us well, the see, fact that we're we're more tuned to nature yeah well one thing is this what the article does talk about is that black male sperm is in high demand talk about it not just in the sense of for, for black women they come and get that sperm by the batches. There's a lot of white women, majority white women and Latino women coming in there to get that sperm. And how much of the sperm that black men are donating or they think they're donating for public use, but it's used in other ways? They could be cloning niggas. Or just experimenting on, on stuff. Or, you know what I'm saying, we have this very strong and genetically superior Sperm, yeah. Can we remove the black skin and some of the African features from it? Yeah, yeah. That's that. That, that is that. Definitely is something that you definitely would have to think about because you can't put shit past the system. You can't. Um, we all know. We all know they doing stem cell research and all of those different things. So, um, hey, you know, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell brothers to go and, and start donating the sperm or whatever. But what I do know is this: we sort of. Once you, once we know, like, hold on, I ain't got no involvement. Every man wants to be involved in their child. Every black man I know wants to be involved in their child's life, even the ones that ain't involved in their children's life. would like to be at a position one day where they can be involved with their children. But just not cut that away. We original people. Go ahead with them tweets, Akita. See what these people talking about. Hello. Uh, so this is a tweet from, uh, I can't even read the name, Akita. Anyways, LOL. The elephant in the room. Most women of color, when seeking a sperm donor, request white sperm regardless. Huh. Wow. Wow. Divestus. Shout out Divestus. And I, uh, another one from Jeff, uh, Jeff Black. Not going to lie, this isn't a bad thing. It means most black men aren't comfortable with the idea of having children out here whose lives they aren't involved with. And of course, we know black men as far as the studies comparing us to other fathers? Most involved. The most involved. You know? Which is not just a product of material factors. Yeah. We're talking about a product of cultural and philosophical mm-hmm. factors yeah. associated with black men that we always get discounted from having. Mm-hmm. We're some of the greatest reservoirs of Africanity, of African culture, for our people. We participate, we go to our kids... Um, recitals, football games, basketball games. You know what I'm saying? We we participate in various different things. We spend time with our kids when we are able to be in our children's life. That's what we do. You know, which challenges the dominant narrative that we ain't around. You know, that's some bullshit that's being propagated by you know who. What else they talking about? Uh, I mean... Here's another one. Some little spices. You know what I'm saying? Sit down. But this person said the group that advocates for abortion, and then they put in parentheses black women. And I don't exactly agree with that because there's a lot of black women that disagree with abortion. Mm -hmm. But I think the majority do agree with it and advocate for it. So let's read the whole tweet. The group that advocates abortion, black women, are now desperate for sperm donors so they can be single mothers. Damn. Damn. No prospect of a husband or a man to raise their child in a two-parent household. Just pitiful. And uh, the parts of that I agree with, disagree with. But uh, that's a rough techie, right? Definitely now. something for us to reckon with. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? And again, I throw out the idea of foster care. Yeah. Instead of just using this high-end capitalist technology, you know what I'm saying? In vitro fertilization or whatever they're doing with, you know, these sperm donations. And, you know, in the event that somebody has a husband, say there's a couple that want to carry a child. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the husband does not have uh, working sperm. Yeah. And the, but they want to carry, conceive the child naturally. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I understand needing a sperm donor in that in that case. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I'm not saying that there's everything wrong with the technology, but the idea that a woman that has no desire, you know, to uh, provide the child with the father figure. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, what type of cultural checks are we putting on this type of process and practice? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, uh, you know, you just go by white people. Anything that technology allows for, that allow, that allows white people to pursue their savage wants. Yeah. And to pursue their savageness. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to find a reason. They're going to rationalize it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Anything that technology allows for, mm-hmm. our colonizer, co- uh, colonial empires are going to rationalize it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, of course, in the sexual domains, we have seen how this plays out throughout history. Mm. Some of those perverse shit you can think of sexually is always being performed by the elites. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, one thing about that is this most people can't even afford that process. You know what I'm saying? Most people cannot afford that process. They don't got the money to be able to go through that in vitro fertilization. It's not there. It's like $20,000 each session. You got to go through like four sessions to do that shit. You're talking about spending anywhere from sixty dollars to $80,000. A good bit of this takes place, even though there are medical reasons for it. Um, and, um, you know, like you said, a husband and a wife want to get together. His stuff, not sperm. I mean, sperm's not strong enough. They may choose to go that route. Mm-hmm. But also, a lot of it just coming from the fact of that in this era and time, ladies are working a lot longer. They're going a lot deeper into their career with the education and things of that such nature. So by the time they look up to actually get out here and start looking for maybe a husband or it may be a little late, you know what I'm saying? We have seen those cases pop up. Either way, there's plenty of black men you can get that seed of life from. I mean, that gets into another conversation about how technology has opened up new conversations. You what? know, things like birth control and abortion have these are technologies that have significantly affected the the discourse and the history of women entering the workforce. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To uh, gain a foothold within the labor economy next to men, alongside men, mm-hmm. as it you know. Of course, there are, you know, some women that say, you know, why, you know, even radical revolutionary women that say, why would women want to join such an unjust, exploitative labor market alongside men? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's a proposition that helps secure the working class. Yeah. It definitely helps individual women and and maybe some families in the middle class and, and things like that. But I think we're talking, I'm, that's on a very meta and theoretical round, you know what I'm saying, as yeah. far as trying to think about philosophically, you know, what is the effect of of, of not just women entering the workforce, 
uh, particularly white women. We know black women been working. Yeah. But, you know, the campaign for that, the fervor around it, mm-hmm. what are the cultural effects of that? I mean, you know, technology changes everything. Mm-hmm. It takes the de-emphasizing off people and puts it in machines and machinery. Um, even in this era, with, and it's connected to all these other things with politics and Stacey Abrams and all of these things, as technology advances, it's going it, well as technology advances. It allows for humans to check out. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest issues that Black people deal with is sedation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We high, we drunk, on some pill, on some medication, video games. Um, you know porn. what the you know what long term sedation is? What's that? The American dream, the yeah. pursuit of the American dream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like I think people, there's some people waking up from being sedated and until they 35. Like, I was sedated by the pursuit of the American dream, you know, uh, mm-hmm. of the contemporary moment of, you know, being an entrepreneur or having a great job yeah. with benefits, six-figure income, mm-hmm. being independent. You know what I'm saying? That's the sedation that yeah. distracts us away from the real fulfillment, which comes in a very hard process of connecting with what I consider, as a man, my counter self. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In women, I mean, as an individual and collective, it's a hard process yeah. to connect and form that relationship for re, you know, that can reproduce and, and sustain the sustain the, our existence. I mean, unless sort of, unless you make it very mechanical, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you don't really need a culture to to keep things in line if everything just is mechanical. So now we have a very technology driven savageness. I mean, shoot, we, we like I say, we. If you're a millennial, young millennial, old, I mean, young millennial and zennial, we literally have been raised in technology to a whole different degree that we've never been raised to before. And at the end of the day, when it really comes down to it, as technology advances, we're gonna get more sedated. You see, black males or men checking out of politics and checking out of things early right now. God forbid they develop some type of cloned ass doll, which they're trying to get there. It's really gonna get bad because men are really gonna check out. It, it, it's 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 one of those things of America preys on the desires and the carnal desires of the flesh, and they exploit them, and then they sell them back to you. There you go, Aki. And so we're gonna switch gears, and we're not gonna be able to spend as much time as we wanted on the uh, the greatest lie ever sold documentary by Candace Owens about Black Lives Matter and George Floyd. Yeah. But uh, let's spend, it, you know, maybe five uh, minutes on it. Just give people, that's all really it deserves, right? Yeah. And I would say as, you know, if I could make my review of it as concise as possible, I would say it's a brutish and uh, shoddily done, a shoddy attempt to sanitize police brutality through a singular case in George Floyd and a mostly useful critique. The core critique of Black Lives Matter within the documentary is useful. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just take take away some of the conservative ideology that tinges its edges. But as far as Black Lives Matter uh, mismanaging money, taking money, that... Uh, you know, taking up space and money and resources it shouldn't have. Paying off homies. Paying off homies. Spending tens of millions on mansions. Mansions. Mansions in L.A. They got a a, a mansion through 
one of their one of the founders' wives founded a nonprofit organization in Toronto, and they donated almost uh, over five. Well, it was it eight million, six million mm-hmm. to that organization to purchase uh, a mansion for wellness and healing. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying they they claim all these mansions is for wellness and healing for black people, mm-hmm. even though they they far away from any black community. So, but we, we've discussed that on the podcast before. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, shout out Susan Woods, uh, uh, a black woman that's rooted in yeah. our culture and community that we've been watching da- on YouTube for a while. That everything they was breaking down about where's this money going to? She been doing. She been doing it. And this is just an independent black woman, probably less than a thousand subscribers on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But as far as looking at every place they was donating money to and breaking it down already in a series of videos, yeah, look up Susan Woods. You know. And she also does tax filing for 5013Cs. If you got one of them, you need some help. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, three times throughout it, beginning, middle, and end, they have a Malcolm X quote. Why so, Malcolm? Because they're trying to shit on liberals. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're going to use a slice of Malcolm, even though Malcolm was anti-capitalist. Yeah. You know, they'll take a slice of Malcolm where he might appear conser- more conservative than liberals or an opponent of liberals, right? Yeah. Malcolm X did not align himself with liberals. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think maybe it's a slice of that appeal for Malcolm, you know, they can throw in there and, you know, they, they the Malcolm quotes they included was stuff about the media misleading you. Yeah. And more, you know. But, uh, of course, one of the things you talked about you didn't like on there was uh, the repeated attempt to demonize yeah, George Floyd. You know, proved that he was no person worthy of being called a hero and martyr. You know, I'm not sure who was using that term. Yeah, because I don't even. Think I would we also call di- him a hero or martyr. I would also disagree with those terms, but he was a victim and he was one of us. Yeah, through all his shortcomings, and I think that's why black people connected to him. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to be a hero. You know, yeah, we saw what happened to him, and of course, uh, I think there is something. A real conversation around drug use and addiction, yeah, and associated with his death that we have to have. But mm-hmm. we also all saw that he was not given the help that he was that he required, yeah, because he was a scary black man, yeah. And, and that he they spoke were trying, on that, right? That uh, that they didn't they didn't give him the sympathy or the care that he was desperately asking for, yeah. So there was you know half over half the documentaries, Candace Owens nitpicking. On the George Floyd story and narrative, and trying, trying to, to, and trying to bring humanity to the cop's family. Oh yeah, and Derek it. Chauvin was—he's uh, the real victim here. Yeah, and uh, that's just, that's just pathetic, you know, and just really idiotic shit. You know, Pandering. Mi- microwaved narratives for uh, you know a smooth brain conservative base, a yeah. conservative audience. Yeah, you know, uh, maybe it's the uh, inbreeding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh letting that white seed go up in you. Uh but yeah, you know I mean that that's basically it for me on on the documentary. Uh know. there are better places. Yeah. There there are more precise and culturally relevant sources to go to for that critique. Yeah. But as far as the production level was done on, yeah, the part of the black movement that has this critique of BLM has not matched that production value in terms of forwarding 
a critique of BLM from our point of view. Yeah. A revolutionary black nationalist point of view. I mean, I'll say this, man. The BLM part was uh, needed, deserved, um, geared at the right thing. It even we, you know, we've been on that for a minute, and it was even some things we didn't even know up in there in detail. Um, taking the shots at George Floyd, um, dehumanizing them like white people do black men. Right. Um. She went a little overboard. That didn't make no. That didn't buy. That that didn't surprise me because of who it is. She could have had the whole documentary, you know what I'm saying? Just be about the crazy shit that the organization was on. And I mean, one of the things that really got me was the biggest donation that they made. And we're skipping so much. Two point three million. But they gave two point three million to an organization called Living Through Giving, and it. Uh, this was done, I think, during the 2020 to 2021 tax filing mm-hmm. year. Now, since that money was given given to that organization, the organization has not filed any tax forms. And that's similar for every single organization that received all these millions from BLM during this that year of Derek, uh, I mean, of, of uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. None of them have up-to-date tax filings. Man. In 20, at the end of 2022, none of them are up-to-date. So we don't know where that money is going. This is These are the useful parts of Candace Owens' documentary. Yeah. But then let's focus just on the one the organization that received the biggest donation, Living Through Giving. Candace Owens did the investigative work here, or her team did, and found the executive director of that organization is A.J. Reeland, who owns coffee shops. Right, and uh, back when he was talking, uh, Candace Owens looked at the grand opening of the coffee shop, and a photo from 2019 mm-hmm. showed at the grand at the opening shows AJ Reeland, Reeland, and Patrice Colors, one of the founders of BLM. Yeah. So before that, that means before George Floyd and all the millions that came after his death flowing into BLM. Mm-hmm. She has a friendship with somebody who she later went on after receiving $90 million plus dollars yeah. from white businesses and, and donations. She ends up giving her friend's organization $2.3 million, but the service, the training and the healing, like camps or whatever this, serve, this organization was supposed to put on, they have absolutely no history of ever doing one, even though they have a website that looks mm. good on the outside, right? They there's no record of any past events they put on, any I uh, schedule for any future events, but they received 2.3 million, and she gave it to a friend's organization. Basically, if you was Patrice Color's friend and you had a 5013C that had some words like trans yeah. and feminism in there, you could get a bag, nigga. That's the main thing I got out of that. Is that. This was a hijack. Black men was used as a way to filter in mass amounts of money to the LBGT trans community because all of the money went to trans groups. Like 90% of that money went to trans groups. Right. And and that was just from the $90 million close to... The end. The end. Yeah. We, now, they started back in 2013 
What mm. about all the millions they got from Trayvon? Yeah. All the millions they got, for, or not, if not Trayvon, Mike Brown. Yeah. Uh, what about all the millions when they first started and they was at their height mm-hmm. as, a, as a force in the media and on mm-hmm. the presidential campaign trail? Yeah. Where did all them millions? They got tens of millions then. We mm-hmm. reported on it then. Yeah. We've been talking about that. So, now, mean, we only talk about this organization as if, it's, as if it started around George Floyd. Man, hey. They've been around uh, six, seven years. Black people got the, got the hoodwinked. <laughs> bruh, when I seen that 800000 in one year was paid to Culler's brother, who was a graffiti artist to do security work, one in one year for doing security at the mansions, he gets almost a million dollars. Nigga, that's a million dollars. 800000 that's a million. And then her baby daddy... Got nine hundred and seventy thousand. That's really a million. Uh, to his Trap Hills LLC, you know, uh, all these they all supposedly do healing events. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That I don't. Whatever. Uh, and then also she hosted her son's birthday party at the BLM mansion in, in, in California. And then also they, there's a celebration for Kamala and Biden's inauguration at the BLM mansion. I'm just like just the liberal bullshit, bourgeois, petty bourgeois bullshit that they're engaging in. I mean, you got to think if this was some black man, we know it would be up, Aki. Mm-hmm. We know it would be up. They donated eight million to yeah the M M four B J. That's what I mentioned in Toronto. They spent the eight million up there for mm-hmm. another mansion, and M four B J, who they donated that money to, is an organization founded by Patrice Culler's wife. Transgender woman. Now imagine if MLK and Malcolm and and, and Megger Evers and all these folks was 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 behaving like this, bro. So we really gotta uh, stop being fucking cowards. I'm gonna be honest. We gotta stop being fucking cowards. Mm. And despite people's identity, critique the shit out of them if they're doing wrong by us and our people. And stop being led by emotions in these things. Stop getting you know uh, the Democratic Party does a lot of working. Working towards black people's emotions, the sentimental little things. They work towards that. Oh, they, they, they're acknowledging us. And we go for that shit. We don't go for the substance. And that's sort of how we got hoodwinked. And then when people know that you can be played just from your sentiments, you're, 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 you're a sitting duck every time. Game over at that point. And that's exactly what it was. Speaking of game over, it's over. <laughs> Thank you for y'all time You know what I'm saying Hope y'all enjoyed the episode And we are gonna hit y'all next week With another one As usual Peace Peace